Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the MedTech Business Academy podcast. This week, our regular MedTech experts, Barbara Strain, Mike Sperduti, Scott Alexander, and Skender Derte, are joined by special guest, nurse manager, Crystal Wagner. Listen as Crystal, Barbara, Scott, and Skender discuss the current state of the healthcare landscape, including staffing issues, clinical education, what the nursing community is looking for, and how industry can help. Diving into topics such as new grads, microlearning, assistive technology, and continuing support, this podcast shines a light on the status quo and illuminates a path toward improvement. And now, on to the episode. Good day, everybody, and thank you for joining us once again for another episode of the MBA podcast. We're really excited today because we have a special guest that's on today, and one of the themes that we've been talking about a lot in our in our last few podcasts, but really it goes beyond that. The discussion that's at the forefront of everybody's mind in healthcare, it doesn't matter where you sit. If you touch healthcare right now, the topic that is at the top of everybody's mind is staffing, staffing and turnover. Because if you're working for a provider, whether in a clinical position, in an administrative position, it is the number one thing that is focused on because how do you get procedures done without staff? Well, you can't. How do you care for patients without staff? You can't. So it is top of mind. And then for most of our listening audience that are in the med tech community, how do you connect with uh, the various providers to get them to gain interest in your new technology? when their primary focus is on staff and all their turnover. So we've been uh, really honored by the opportunity to be joined by somebody who is on the front lines. Um, and as everybody knows from a the clinician exchange perspective, I had an opportunity to listen to Crystal. She participated in a large voice to customer project that we were doing. And I the passion and the challenges with which she was facing, I thought would make for great uh, commentary on our podcast, and we're really excited to welcome her. So, Crystal, welcome. Hi, thanks so much for having me. So, let me just give a little bit of a background on Crystal Wagner. Crystal Wagner is a dynamic nurse leader with over 12 years of experience in pediatrics, emergency department, and critical care transport. She is a cum laude graduate from uh, Stony, SUNY Stony Brook School of Nursing and earned her master's degree in nursing education at the University of North Carolina at Wilmington. Crystal is triple board certified in pediatric emergency nursing, trauma nursing, and nursing professional development. Her experience has varied from uh, small freestanding emergency departments in large tertiary care, academic medical centers. As a clinical instructor for undergraduate BSN students, Crystal has worked closely with new graduates to prepare them for today's bedside nursing challenges. Crystal currently serves as a nurse manager for a 24-bed inpatient pediatric surgery trauma burn center in North Carolina, and that is affiliated with one of the most preeminent and prominent academic medical centers in the United States. So once again, it is our honor to welcome Crystal. Crystal, thanks for making it on again. Crystal. What we all want to know is what has life been like over, we, we get COVID, so let's fast forward past COVID, okay? And let's start basically 2022-ish. Um, what has life been like for the last year, year and a half? What are you seeing? What are the challenges? 
Yeah, I think one of the, you know, like you said, the, the biggest challenge is staffing, but it's not just, yes, we know staffing is a challenge and how do we fill vacancies, but how do you now fill these vacancies, turn this around to quality outcomes, training, and, and not just getting people, but keeping the retention up there as well. Um, I think that, you know, whatever healthcare was pre-pandemic is probably never going to make its comeback to what healthcare is now. Um, so the biggest focus now for us is, like I said, how are we, how are we filling these holes? What are we doing? How are we transforming healthcare to make this an industry that people want to come back to and that people actually want to stay in? Crystal, can you, can you comment on how significant or the, the, the type of staffing issues that you're having and the vacancies and the turnover, like in, in numbers? Um, so for me personally, I can tell you that we on average are at about a, a, a 70% retention rate within our department. The problem though, is that more than 50% of my staff at this current time is new graduates with less than one year of nursing experience. So when I look at my staff of about 60 or so employees, 92% of them have been in this position for less than five years. And you mentioned quality outcomes. Uh, just generally speaking, in all of uh, care, are, have outcomes gone down over the past year or so? Like, are, are, we, are we providing you know, worse health care? You know, I don't know that I would say we're providing worse healthcare. I think it's, we're just constantly neck and neck with ourselves, right? There's been this kind of slide back that happens during COVID where it, it wasn't a race to a goal. It was a race to survive. And how does healthcare stay afloat? And now we're trying really hard to get back to where we were. But the problem is I don't think where we were even exists anymore. I think that there's a whole different platform that we need to target and decide how we're going to get to that location instead of where we were before. Hey, Crystal, you had mentioned um, before we started recording about the age. So and you said 92% of your people have been in position for less than five years. Can you talk a little bit about the current age of the folks that are on your team and how that impacts um, the care that's delivered, not, not just the quality, but also like how long it takes and the efficiency, that sort of thing. Can you maybe shed a little light on that? Yeah, um, I'm actually really fortunate. The organization that I work for has taken recruitment and retention um, to the next level. So they provide us with an actual dashboard of metrics for the individual units. So I can look at my dashboard right now and tell you that of my staff, 85% of my staff is considered Gen Z, meaning they were born between 1997 and 2012. So I have maybe... Uh, a handful, five or six people who are what we would dub the Gen Xers or the, you know, 65 to 1980 something that are here with experience. So that that definitely poses a challenge in that those of us that are in these leadership roles that have been in healthcare for a little while are now trying to recruit, re, you know, keep them and then also train that a whole new generation that we've never really dealt with before. <laughs> 
So to dovetail off of that, Crystal, and by the way, thanks again for coming today. This is really great. Mm-hmm. Um, I know talking to my um, nurse manager, director, friends, and a lot of different hospitals, especially those in pediatrics, have been hit hard by supply disruptions still today with either discontinue items for pediatrics, you know, back orders, recalls. And how is that impacted when you have staff that isn't very experienced and all of a sudden something's in their hand they may not have seen before? Yeah, I think what you face or what we were facing in that situation is there's just a constant turnover of education, right? It's the idea of you come into an organization, you go through your 10 or 12 or 16 week orientation, and then you're kind of set out to practice. Now we're seeing, we bring you in, we orient you, you go through a 12 week process. And then three months from now, I have to roll out a new initiative or six months from now, we had to swap one of the devices that we use because what we had then we don't have now. So there's constant ongoing education and and it really doesn't ever stop. So that's challenging when you have an experienced staff. What happens when you have an inexperienced staff? I mean, the the experienced staff is annoyed because things are different, right? So that's a whole nother thing. But does the inexperience here help or hurt in some of those instances? Um, you know, I think you could look at it two different ways. The the newer nurses that are coming into the field now, they don't really know anything different, right? If you've only been in this industry for one to three years, you don't know what life was like pre-COVID. You don't know how you were functioning back in the day, you know, before COVID. So it, it's kind of like you don't know what you don't know and you can't miss it if you never had it. Whereas I think it hurts some of the older nurses a little bit or the more experienced nurses because it is a constant, ever-changing process. And as soon as you get settled with something, something else is changing. And we know that one of the biggest frustrations that I hear from nurses during COVID was the change never stopped. The change was every single day. The protocols changed, the policies changed, the equipment changed. And so it was kind of a, you know, a baptism under fire, you know, for lack of a better term, in that we just had to learn to deal with change. There was no other way to survive. Can you talk a little bit? So our primary audience of folks listening to the podcast are executives in medical device companies. Talk to us a little bit, if you would, Crystal, about how um, this challenge with staffing and the training and everything else, how does that impact them as a a vendor or a a partner into an organization like yours? Um, I think what I'm seeing overall is that the time that we had to train nurses is different now, right? I'm pushed to put you out to practice, you know, maybe a little sooner than I was before. I know that um, seven of the, several of the hospitals in our region have gone through the similar process where, you know, maybe we had a six month nurse residency program for new graduates. Well, now we have to condense all that and push you out to practice in three. So part of the nursing education that you were getting is now not happening in the hospital or not happening in the classroom. We're kind of saying here, take this, go home, do this on your off time and come back for your regular class tomorrow. Um, I would say, you know, as far as industry personnel, we are looking to try and give staff as much as we can, but probably with half as much time as we would like. 
And and I'm assuming this is a trend. This is not just in your facility. This is across the country. Is that right? I, I mean, from the colleagues that I have, you know, spoken to in different states around the country, we're all pretty much facing the same battles. Yeah. So, so one of the interesting things is since our audience are med tech suppliers and in, in some sort of way, we either with widgets, equipment, uh, you know, software, purchase services, et cetera. When a new product is available, what sort of um, resources do you have today from suppliers or what sort of resources would be very important to you that you might have today that our supplier audience could think of to make sure that it makes your life as easy as possible in, in these hard conditions? Um, wow. So I think that what, what we need to recognize is that, you know, time of course is, is one of our biggest factors, but the other issue is finance, right? I don't have a budget in my department to send people to as many educational opportunities as I would want to. I don't have the option to take them out of staffing and send them out to a training event because I need them here on the unit. Um, You know, I remember a decade ago when I was a new grad, if I went to my manager and said like, oh, there's a two day conference that's gonna be in town. Can I come off the schedule and go do some learning? Yeah, that was great. I just got coverage. That is not the case now. So I think what we need to do is really start figuring out how we can internalize a lot more of this, how you can still provide the education, the training, everything that's needed, but figuring out how to do it with the least amount of time and money that can be involved. Mm-hmm. And, and well, Chris, let's say that I have um, a pediatric surgical product that would really improve patient outcomes. It would help with reducing nursing time, or it provided a real great benefit to you and your team. And I, but I need to get that in front of you and I need to, to make an appointment with you so I can show this to you. How would I do that in this environment? Um, you know, I think it, we're, most of us are all digital, right? Anybody in healthcare leadership lives on a phone as much as we don't want to. We take it home with us. We do it on the weekends. We do it when we're, you know, not in the office. So, I, for me personally, I, I'm an email person. So if you email me, um, I can email you right back. I would say that most of our leadership team within you know, my service line and my organization, we are more adept to doing things kind of on the fly because when we are in the office, we are you know, helping out and staffing. I would say I don't know a nurse manager in a unit right now who is not in staffing at some point in their day. So, you know, if I'm here for eight hours and I spend four of it out on the floor helping care for patients, that's less time that I have to talk to you. So understanding that if I get home at 830 at night and that's when I get to respond to your email, that that flexibility needs to be there now. Understand it. And knowing that you probably, like everybody else that's listening, gets a lot more email that you're even able to get to. But email is your preferred communication style for introduction. Would would the subject, and this is going to be from somebody that doesn't know you, right? So it's a vendor that you're not doing business with. So would there be something in the title of that email that would be more apt for you to open it up than others? 
Um, I think when I look at my emails, I'm looking for something that's specific to, to me and my practice. So if it just says, you know, new product, I'm probably not going to put that at the top of my priority list. If you can put something in the subject line that says, you know, pediatric, you know, whatever the product is, pediatric, G-tube, education, something, something, you're at least going to get my curiosity long enough that I'm going to click on you, whether it's I'm clicking on you because I'm standing waiting for an elevator or I'm walking to my car, that will at least gather my attention. Hey, Crystal, can you talk to us about a new technology that you may have adopted over the past year or two? How, how did it get in front of you? What was the decision-making process like? That sort of thing? Um. That is a great question. <laughs> I would have Has there been one? <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, yeah, that's a, that's, that's another is. thing. It's like, have, have you done that? Or um, um, no one obviously an acceptable response, response. Yeah, I would say if anything, where I am right now, we've internalized a lot more of our training and education. So trying to, you know, if there's a rollout, you know, we recently had an initiative here to reduce central line infections. All of that initiative was internalized here in the organization. We didn't have um, the reps come in. We didn't have the in-services. We didn't have, you know, kind of those, those external events that we used to have. Now, I can't speak to why it was that way, but it, I think that much more of what we're doing now is just internalized. So that wasn't a new technology. That was that was just practice, trying to standardize practice and behavior. Uh, yes. Okay. We are on the cusp of a new rollout that is supposed to happen within the next 30 to 60 days, but I haven't seen how that rollout is going to go out yet. And that's the first one that you can recall in that time frame over the last 12 to 18 months? Um, well... So thinking back, uh, maybe about a year, a year and a half ago, we, um, in, a, in a previous role that I was in, we did roll out a new piece of equipment for several of our departments. And the rollout started with basically just a trial of use. And having these devices in-house, we actually utilized our clinical nurse specialists in the department and some members of the leadership team um, to really just kind of come and play and try it. once we all kind of, you know, got the consensus of, yeah, this looks like something we might use. Yeah, we might try and, you know, see how we can implement this. We rolled it out very slowly. So it, it never went system wide. It kind of starts one department at a time and then it grows from there. Um, still at that point, it becomes much more of a train the trainer. So you have your five select people that are involved in this. They all meet with the vendor. They kind of get the information. And then from there, it becomes the internalized staff that rolls it out to the system. So even if, say, you got the email from somebody that said, you know, pediatric, blah, 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 do you have then an internal process where you take those requests? And then do you know about an average amount of time that it might take for a supplier to actually get selected and, and brought in? I think it gives our supplier folks an idea of, what that really looks like. Um, the the initiatives that I have been a part of 
it's not a fast process. And it also depends on the size of the organization, right? So I've been in smaller organizations where it's a lot easier for me to meet with a vendor, have that one-on-one interaction. And then I know that I have to raise it up through my value team. Whereas in a larger organization that has multiple entities across a big geographic region, that's going to get vetted through so many more layers of red tape. And that rollout's probably going to look more like a year or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just want to make sure we're validating real life because I, I realize all of that from the roles that I've had in things. But understanding what that's like sort of today um, is helpful to the suppliers that some of those things are still a lengthy process and then may not even happen just because of a lot of things you've already said. Yeah, and it, it definitely is very determined by the size of the organization that you're dealing with. Yeah. Are there any uh, suppliers that you feel like do a really good job either around what is supporting you and whatever that means, whether it's training, it's remembering your birthday, whatever the case might be. <laughs> that, well, um, I, I've had several um, suppliers or industry people that I've worked really well with. 410 Medical was kind of a homegrown organization from, you know, based out of Durham, North Carolina, that had a device that we used very widely in our organization. And I think part of the them being geographically close to us, Mm -hmm. um, as well as their availability in, you know, helping us roll out the initiatives. I had some of their reps that were in my department at 11 o'clock at night working with my night shift, or they were coming in at four or five in the morning. So, yeah, that definitely helps because if you want me to reach 100% of my staff, my mm-hmm. staff is here 24-7. So the Monday through Friday, 8 to 4, 9 to 5, was never going to be completely successful. Mm-hmm. And and to that end, is if someone was to come in and say, hey, I really want to get Crystal's business for a pediatric GI tube or whatever the case might be, uh, does that does that play a part in the decision-making process in terms of this, the training and that's really, which should somebody focus in on that? Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, having spent a large portion of my career on night shifts before I assume the roles I'm in now, um, anybody who, you know, has a, has a more limited time structure in supporting rollouts, whereas, you know, my reps are located halfway across the country and, you know, they're only in town for this one week, or the reps are only available for these two days when they fly in to launch this product. Mm-hmm. It, it's a challenge because I have, my staff works three 12 hour shifts in a week and they self-schedule. So they might work their three 12s They might leave for nine days and then come back for three more. And if you're only going to be in town for a week to roll this product out, well, that that's a challenge because now you're putting the onus on me as the leadership in the unit to try and provide the education. That makes sense. Yeah. So then uh, e-learning and and that sort of thing, has that become kind of the, the first barrier or first point to educate somebody? Or do you really prefer to have people on on site? What does that look like? Um, you know, it's interesting. I, I recently had this conversation with my staff because, and I, and I think I shared this with Skender in our previous talks, that there's kind of this, this road now that is diverging in how we're educating staff. Because as I shared with you, I have a small handful of nurses who are 
Gen X and millennials, and I have a whole nother Generation Z over here, and they learn differently. And, you know, having studied different adult learning styles when I did my, my graduate degree, um, mm-hmm. what the one thing is, is I think we've learned in nursing, there is no cookie cutter one size fits all. So some of our teams are going to respond better to digital learning and e-learning environments. And there are some nurses who are still very tangible learners and they're kinetic and they need to see a person and feel something to know how it works. Yeah. Where do you see the, the industry going? So, you know, we've been through some madness in 2020, 2021. We're talking about kind of current state with 22, 23. What do you think it looks like over the course of the next couple of years? Um. I think that it, we're still figuring that out, right? I think so many of us are still trying. We're, I feel like we're just getting our feet back on the ground now where we're doing the work to figure out what do the next five years look like. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I think we all know that we have to be much more dynamic and creative than we were before. I think we recognize that how we were working with staff, how we were training staff, how we were keeping staff satisfied Those things are not, whatever tools we had before, they're not going to work the same way now. Mm -hmm. So um, the other side of that, though, and what I hear from my experienced nurses is they don't want to feel abandoned either. And they want to make sure that they are still recognized and that we're still taking care of their needs and kind of catering to what they need. So I think I see... It used to be, you know, in nursing, you had an in-service that came in, a rep came in, you had a roster, they taught everybody the same five steps the same way, and you chucked the sheet, and then off you went, and you were considered competent. Mm -hmm. Now, I think we're going to move towards more of this dynamic process in competencies where, you know, you might be a kinetic learner, so you're going to go meet with the rep, and you're going to do the hands-on, and you might say, I don't want to come in for that extra hour because I'm striving for a work-life balance, so I'd rather do my e-learning module from my couch. And we're just going to have to learn how to meet both of those demands at the same time. Interesting. Okay. Now, that's very good key points for our audience because um, they may try to focus and think they know what's best to train on there. But those dynamic learners, like you said, you've got to really try diversify because everybody learns at a different pace. Uh, I mean, we always knew that trying to communicate with staff wasn't just one method. You had to do it a lot of different ways for people to get the messaging and that sort of thing. So I know that we used to have like practice days uh, set aside where vendors would come in and they put up, you know, the pumps we're already using and different pieces of equipment and people would, you know, go through and get checked off and that kind of stuff. Is that still happening or would little small sessions where suppliers might come on site and be available more often than just the rollout and that sort of thing and kind of change the way they think about it as well? I do see that we're getting back to more of those in-person kind of, you know, selected trainings. I think that we, when COVID hit and we hit this hard right turn into everything went digital, right? You know, every platform that we were learning on was digital. Every meeting that we had was online. We did recognize that there was a change. There was a change in practice. There was a change in staff satisfaction. So we're slowly starting to get back to having these kind of small in-services. And we do have those same type of practice days here. You go and you kind of check the boxes for this. 
Um, I think that there's probably room for that to continue to grow. And I know that I hear from my staff that they're much happier with that. But we're also still dealing with only these early lifting of all these bans and changes, right? Like we're Mm -hmm. just starting to change our mask mandates. We're just Mm -hmm. starting to change our capacity challenges. So as those are changing through time, I think we'll see more of that coming back. Great. And Crystal, for for folks that um, that are interested in selling you product, right, and services, the types of products that would be something that would be attractive to you in this environment, would they be products that and services and technologies that reduce nursing time? You know, I think we've had lots of discussion in my organization about um, movements in virtual nursing platforms and, um, you know, things that I, that I would have never thought of 10 or 15 years ago when I entered this industry, right? So, Um, how do we take our current, let's say our nurse ratios, you know, if I historically had four patients for every one nurse, but if I can't staff that many nurses, and now I have to start spreading my ratios to five or six nurses, what are some of the ways that we can implement technology to help support that now? And we've talked up ideas about, you know, having a kind of a phone a friend or a virtual nurse on an iPad, um, having those digital resources around. But I think it's, it, it's, I feel like we're on the cusp of that right now, but we haven't quite figured out how we're going to implement it yet. Because I do know that in discussions with my team, I have a lot of staff who think that's great and they're very excited. And I have a lot of staff who go, well, uh, no, no, I'm not interested. <laughs> are those the people that are going to be receiving the calls? Probably. Um, it's, it's, it's yeah. more it's, for them. It's more like, it's just one more thing, right? It's like one mm-hmm. more thing for me to learn. One more thing for me to have to figure out how to do one more password. I have to remember. Yeah. It, uh, so I used to ask this when I was running innovation back at, at Mercy and, and at Medtronic too. So if I had a magic wand and I could fix any one thing in your day-to-day work life, what's the one thing that I would fix? Um, you know, I think for me, the one thing that I really want to fix is I feel like there is this mystery of staff satisfaction out there that we are always trying to solve. And you know, I feel like the, the key to satisfaction links to retention. And if you have better retention, you have better outcomes. So how can we kind of find that key to staff satisfaction? Is it through more work-life balance? Is it through, um, you know, variability in dynamic training opportunities? Is it through use of technology? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's hard because when you're dealing with new nurses, They don't know what they don't know yet, right? Like they just know, hey, this isn't what I want it to be, but I haven't had the experience to tell you, oh, I liked it better this way. Mm -hmm. So uh, the magic bullet for us, I think, is is staff satisfaction and Mm -hmm. and everything will follow after that. Yeah. And again, for for those folks that are developing products or have developed products, if there are products or services that could increase staff satisfaction by eliminating work that the nurses don't like to do. That would be another area that would be uh, acceptable to you guys, right? Oh, absolutely. I, you know, anything that you can do to improve staff satisfaction, 
it automatically improves retention. That makes the, you know, the frontline leadership nurses happy. It makes the executive and C-suites happy because we all know that turnover and retention equals dollars at some end of the line. So whatever you can do to keep your staff happy and keep them there longer is going to make everybody else happier. Gotcha. So I actually have a client that I just picked up and we're going to start the project shortly. That is, Are you going to sell it, Crystal right now? <laughs> yeah, well, I just wanted to, yeah. I just wanted to yeah. it, but this is an idea. When you Watch saying, out, Crystal. Yeah, when what's going to take for you to trial? <laughs> when, when you're saying staff satisfaction, it has to do with the cleaning of bedpans. And if that could be something where that process was either taken away or eliminated or made better, would that be something that you or nurses would be interested in? I think, you know, I'm interested for me personally, I'm interested in whatever is going to make my staff happy. Um, I have a board in our conference room and we call it our ask board. There's four columns and it's you ask what's in process, um, what's being completed and what's finished. And I have cards there for my staff to throw up their ideas. I don't care what the idea is. You saw something at a conference. You saw something on a TV show. You heard about your friend who works in a different organization. Put the idea up there. Give me the information that I need to try and vet it out. If I can make it happen for you and I can keep you satisfied and happy working here, I'll do whatever I can to make it come to fruition. Very cool. Do you think that the um, the when I was back at Mercy and running the GPO, we always talked about clinical, financial, and operational considerations, right? To adopt, to get something adopted in a health system, you had to have the C, right? You had to add the F and you had to have the O. Do you think that the the financial and the operational folks that are like the supply chain folks are aligned with you on the importance of employee and, and nurse satisfaction and the need to adopt those kinds of technologies? Um, I think that what I feel kind of superficially is that there are a lot of things out there that I would love to implement in my organization. Mm-hmm. But I also know that my organization is just as cash tight as every other healthcare institution in this country right now. So, and, and it's not because they don't want to, right? Like I truly believe my team wants us to have everything that we want to do the right Mm -hmm. thing, but just like any, any other personal budget, you only have what you have and you have to make that work. So I think that, you know, for me personally, I just need more people to understand the money and the cash flow that was out there and what they were buying for us before, uh-huh. We're we're not going to get that now, and most of us know that. Yeah, yeah. Any other? I guess I know we're getting close to our typical length. Any other burning topics that we should talk through, Barbara? You look you had something, or um... no? I was just going to say, poor poor Scott's been t- telling us to sort of wrap up a bit, <laughs> well, and we could go yeah. on because Crystal. One thing we go down one road, and then you know it leads to various <laughs> different roads, or or at least a Yogi Berra type situation. But anyway, I, I do want to add one thing that came out in the in, in our interview with Crystal, and I thought this was like one of the most yeah. staunch things that we kind of take on for granted is you had referenced how all the newer generation had pretty much all of their learning and education strictly online. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't until they weren't going through the typical clinicals that you had. So right. it's almost like their first day on the job was their first day in the hospital. Mm-hmm. How do you think that experience is different from when you were going through that? Because I'd imagine the cascade of emotions, the thought process, all that's 
completely different. It's it's actually really incredible. I do. I look at some of my new graduate nurses now who, you know, they, they came out with the same book smarts, right? We all had the same textbooks and the same tests and we used the same study guides. But just those human interactions and not knowing how to communicate with patients and families that are in a room. You know, we had all of this learning technology. We were banned from, you know, students were banned from going in and doing their clinical rotations during COVID. So we turned to an online platform. And and I had this myself when I was in graduate school. I had to do this advanced pathophysiology class where I'd click on the SIM and the SIM would give me a response and I would choose the options of how to respond. But Nobody throws you that wild curveball like they do when you're standing in front of them, right? And you don't know how you're going to act when you have the escalating voices and the screaming childs and then the alerts are going off overhead. And what I see with a lot of our new nurses is just the dynamics of communication mm. has really been hurt. And that is something that I don't I don't know what the answer is with that other than being here and kind of walking the line with them and, and, and supporting them through those changes. But it is definitely something that I think is different in nurses that I see now versus nurses before. Yeah. And the reason why I wanted to talk about that just for the med tech audience is a lot of times when we're in to the department, like crystals, and we're talking to the nurses and we're talking to the clinicians, we have an assumption that they know the range of outcomes that they know that the, all the complications that could be had, and typically med tech likes to brighten it up and saying, when you, when you see this, you use our product, it's going to be a great outcome every time. However, what I would think from here and Crystal, you can confirm this or not. The med tech company that comes to you and your staff and says, here's some of the reasons why you can use this when this happens and talking about the 20% when things aren't perfect, right? 80%, they probably steam and flow through the exact way, but that 20% makes all the difference and building that confidence for your staff. If you saw a med tech company come in and basically try to speak to that 20%, how much of an impact would it make for you in trying to work with them? Um, I think it makes a huge impact, not just for me, but for the engagement of the staff, right? So We've had, I have been a part of new device rollouts. I was mentioning that one earlier where when there is a device failure or you you get that outcome you weren't expecting, being able to call up and say, okay, I don't, I don't want to watch another video. I've seen the videos. I need you to come here. Let's re-engage with this. Let me replicate what happened. Let's sim what happened and let's talk through it. What I've seen happen is a lot of times because we don't have that connection or everything is digital or everything is by video that nurses just kind of go, oh, you know what? I'm not using that anymore. I'm not touching that anymore. It's a bad product. I don't want to see it. I don't want to use it. Um, as opposed to, you know, coming in and standing with them going, okay, what were you doing? How, what happened? Tell me about this. Well, did you think of this? Did you try this? Hey, flip this button. Um, it makes a huge difference because if the nurses have to take that extra step and they go, oh, I have to go watch a video to figure out what happened and why this failed, they're never going to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a resonating piece to keep for our entire audience is the one and done type of philosophy of I'm going to come in here and train you on this time. And if you're not there and connective, you aren't going to get the uptake that you want. You have to be there, right? You have to be there to manage the people who have been in their, their first day on the job is the first day they were in a hospital, I mean, you know, that's crazy. How long were you in, how long, how often were you in a hospital before you graduated in your clinicals? 
Oh, um, so I did uh, kind of a semi-advanced course. So it was about two years and I was in clinicals for every semester of my classes for two years before I even went into a hospital. So, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. And I think the other thing too is, you know, if, if the staff becomes frustrated with new products, whether they're digital or equipments, if they don't use it and I see that they're not using it, I'm, I don't need to purchase it. Right. If you're not using it, if it's not working for you, then I don't need to spend my limited dollars to buy it. I'm sure there's something else out there that you're going to work with better. Love it. Uh, so we do have to wrap up because we're getting to, to the end of time here. Um, what are some final thoughts? Let's go round Robin, uh, starting with Barbara. Well, first of all, I want to thank you again, Crystal. This has been, um, I think, eye-opening for our audience. It sort of uh, really supports what we've been trying to talk about and things, but firsthand information and being able to pick your brain like this has been great. And um, I, I wanted to thank you. Thank you. Mike? Uh, I concur with Barbara. This was fascinating. Thank you, Crystal. Um, absolutely love the work that you do and your nurses do and all the nurses around the world. Um, my hat's off to you guys for all you do. So thank you for what you do. Scott? I, I was going to echo what Mike just said about thank you to Crystal and, and to all the nurses out there. As, uh, as many of y'all know, my mom is a retired nurse. And as the number one listener to our podcast, uh, I wanted to give a shout out to her and all of her friends. So um, yeah, I, I think it's really insightful, Crystal. I think you have a great perspective on kind of where healthcare is and uh, have just opened up your what you're seeing on a day-to-day -to, -day to a lot of people um, are desperate and, and really hungry to understand what that looks like. So um, thank you for that. I think the idea of staffing and the real challenges that it presents in terms of how we're going about bringing uh, healthcare and how, you know, if you're really sales-focused, sales-minded person, Everything he said was very insightful, I promise you. <laughs> so we do get we do have a frozen uh, partner here. Um, I'm going to give you a chance to say the last word. Before I do, I just want to say the insight that you provide today was was remarkable. I, I think too many people sometimes, unfortunately, on our side of the industry do look at things in terms of unit volume and they forget to understand the people, uh, patients and providers that are make healthcare so important. And ultimately that's what we are part of that, part of that whole spectrum, developing the technology that affords you the opportunity to develop that care is, and everybody has to see that there are people and all the people dynamics that go into that. So thanks for shedding that perspective. So I'll give you a chance to say the final word, any final thoughts, Crystal, on anything you wanna leave our audience with? No, I think I just, I really appreciate the opportunity to, to share kind of the front line of healthcare and especially nursing, you know, nursing being one of the biggest industries in this country and making sure that we are getting to the front lines. Um, because I've said for a long time, you know, if we can keep the staff happy, then I think everything else falls into place. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thanks again, everybody. We appreciate it. We look forward to a, another edition. On the next edition of the MBA, we will also have a chief nursing officer providing us with some additional insight and building upon the discussion that Crystal started us off with. So thanks again, everybody. Have a great day. Bye -bye. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Yeah.
Thank you, Crystal, for your enlightening perspective on the issues facing nurse managers on the floor today. We've learned that constraints on time mean that the regular 9-to-5 training cycle will always fall short. Nursing is a 24-hour profession, and medtech needs to meet the nurses where and when they are. Next episode, we'll continue the conversation with special guest CNO Lewis Perkins. Subscribe today as you don't want to miss it.